Uh, I'm so glad to see all of you. Um, it's kind of weird. I, I got nervous about talking today and, you know, I like all of you and I trust all of you and I enjoy being with all of you. And so like, it kind of, it's like, Oh, why, why am I nervous? Um, and I don't know, I think I feel out of practice, uh, maybe not just with sermonizing or whatever this is, but like, uh, I feel it in other areas of my life too. I feel out of practice with socializing or like I get around a big group of people and I'm like, what do I say? I, for- I forgot what the things are that you're supposed to say. Um, you know, cause we just, I don't know. I feel like my social skills have gotten rusty over the last two years. <laughs> um, and, uh, I share that with you just because I was thinking about it and I wonder if there are places in your life, um, in all of our lives where we've gotten rusty over the last couple of years. Um, so I don't know, but that's just something I was thinking about this morning, but, um, there's seasons of growth and seasons of change in everybody's life. And today we're going to talk about trees. Um, so nature can provide these really deep and rich metaphors for our spiritual life, right? Because there are lots of examples in the Bible where we're compared to trees or all kinds of things. Um, but of course, being like a tree is not the same as being an actual tree. We can still learn a lot about ourselves by thinking about things like the trees. So tree stuff is actually the same as star stuff. Uh, The nuclear fusion of the sun, which is our star, produces uh, these complex elements out of the simple elements inside of it. And all of those elements are kind of scattered out across our solar system, across the universe. And they're the building blocks of our planet and of all the things that are living on it. And all the non-living things, too. Um, so a tree is a living thing that's made of star stuff, and it grows down into the ground, which is also made of star stuff. And it grows up into the sky, um, where it reaches up to soak up star energy. And then it converts that star energy into more energy for itself to grow up and to continue growing down. And trees produce fruit and seeds and then leaves. And fruit and seeds are like the way that they reproduce and leaves are their sun catchers, the way that they trap their energy. And they're crucial to the continued survival of the tree. And we depend on the trees and other plants like grasses and whatever as our first line of sun energy conversion, because we can't like just stand out in a field and lift up our hands and turn sun energy into food. Right. We, we can't do that. And so we um, eat the fruit that comes from trees and they're like our first line of sun energy conversion. But the tree's continued survival and our continued survival depends on predictable inputs of sunlight and water. So the tree has to simultaneously grow down towards the darkness and towards sources of water. And it has to grow up toward the sun. And a tree that only grows down would die from lack of energy to continue growing. It wouldn't be able to do anything. Um, and a tree that grow only grows up would have energy, but it wouldn't have any of the water or the nutrients that it needs to produce leaves and fruit. And some of the time there are obstacles in the way of the tree. 
So maybe water can't be found straight down. And so the tree has to expend extra energy growing like all these different roots around rocks or going to the side, trying to find water or, you know, trying to make its way around the foundation of your house or whatever. Um, and eventually it finds water, hopefully. Uh, or maybe the tree branches and the trunk, as they're growing up, they have to grow around something that's blocking their sunlight. Like our pecan tree grows like this because our neighbor's pecan tree grows like this. So uh, the tree doesn't um, it like it takes all this. It could take all this extra effort for the tree to find water or to find sunlight. Um, and the growth that might have taken the tree a year now takes two because it took it so long to find what it needed. But unfortunately, the tree doesn't get to plan how it grows because it doesn't get to see what will be in its way. Um, but it's not angst ridden like we are. Um, and it takes all of this in stride and it doesn't get upset about the waste of time and energy that it takes it to get around obstacles. Um, like when I encounter obstacles, my first thought is, how could I have planned better and seen this obstacle and prepared myself for it? And then I carry that around like um, either self guilt or upset or sadness or whatever you want to call it. And a tree is like, nope. And it just continues on and it holds its loss, but then it also lets it go and just continues living its tree life. Uh, but ultimately a winding searching root system, uh, not just a straight down root system will provide a better anchor for the tree. Um, even in the short, though, in the short term, it might seem to be a waste. So it's kind of marvelous that all of this is happening constantly and we can't see anything. Um, if you watch a tree for an hour or a day, um, you don't really see anything happening to the tree. <laughs> and sometimes nothing happens even in weeks or months. So the tree is always moving, but it's never really in a hurry and it's never almost always imperceptible to us. I was thinking about the Ents uh, in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> now they have the the Ent moot and the hobbits are like, all right, now we're going to go fight Saruman. And the trees are like, oh, no, we have to discuss this for a long time. Like, you know, this this is going to take forever. And the hobbits are like, no, you got to hurry it up. Um, that's that's like trees. Very slow, always doing something, but very slow. And we, of course, are always in a hurry. Right. So. What is happening to the trees in the two passages today? So in the Jeremiah passage, we're told that when we trust only in people, we're like trees who don't have access to water. Um, maybe we've got showy leaves. Maybe we've got um, something up top, but underneath there's no roots. And when we trust in God, we're like trees that have roots deep down into fresh water. And so we don't have to be anxious in a year of drought. Um, and we're able to bear fruit. In the Jesus story, the fig tree is covered in leaves, but it doesn't have any fruit. Uh, of course, we're all like really sad for the poor fig tree. Um, a healthy, well-rooted tree is able to produce the balanced amount of leaves and fruit. Uh, and both things are needed for the tree survival. So even though like it's technically in that passage, it's not the season for figs. Um, it's also not the season for fig leaves. And so uh, Jesus 
could kind of tell, okay, it's got leaves, but not a bunch of fruit. And by that, he could tell that there was not much going on underneath, um, but maybe the tree is already on its way out. Um, and so when he curses the tree, he's not really like altering the path of the tree. He's just speaking the truth of what's already happening under the surface for that tree and hurrying along the natural process. Um, I like that passage. Um, I think so. Oh, sometimes people take that passage and compare it like, oh, if we're if we're trees without fruit, then, you know, Jesus is going to curse us. And I do not think that is true um, because honestly, I've never seen Jesus curse a person who had anything wrong with them. I've never seen Jesus curse a person, first of all. And second of all, definitely would not curse a person for having something wrong with them. He is a healer. Um, but I think a tree is a little different because uh, he can see that the tree is not able to like live into its purpose as a tree. Um, and so he's like, go on your way. Be returned to the earth. Um, and I don't know, I think that's kind of interesting. So thinking about trees, what kind of tree are you? How would you describe your root system? How would you describe your leaves and your fruit? If you you can put your name in the chat or you can just unmute. I'll go ahead and say sometimes what I feel like is a scrubby tree, but I think I have really deep roots, but kind of like scrubby on top. Oh, oh, we're getting feedback. We were hoping we were hoping to not have to get up. Uh, alas, we have to get off the couch. I I was just struck by the um and I think this was in the Jeremiah text that the tree isn't anxious. And you were saying about how the, you know, the, the root system is navigating obstacles, not anxious about it, but just like as part of the course mm -hmm. and as an anxious person or as a person who has anxiety about things, I really appreciated that. I was like, that's helpful perspective, like obstacles, the rocks in the way that's like, uh, it's a normal thing, really. And, um, I don't know, just the, I'm, uh, I think I, you know, yeah, sometimes I have an anxious root system. So that's one of the ways that I would, uh, describe it when I, yeah, I don't want to like feel like a horrible person for that. Cause I think, you know, that's normal. It's part of being human to some extent, but it's, it's hopeful and it invites me to a deeper place of, I don't know, it trust or peace knowing that, you know, thinking about 
rocks and barriers and obstacles just being part of the course of things and uh, not being in a hurry to uh, adapt or get around those things, but like being less anxious and in uh, growing out my roots or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the story of the um the ants kind of resonated with me. <laughs> I think I'm a lot like them in that um I don't like change. Um it takes a while for me to move, you know, because when wherever I'm planted. I, I don't want to go. I don't want to move anywhere else. And it takes a lot of deliberation, a lot of thought, a lot of, even when I see the fire coming, it's just like, but do I go this way? Do I go that way? You know, which way, which way do I go? And, but then at the same time, I imagine being a tree also, whose roots are ever stretching to find water and whose branches are ever stretching to get another a different ray of the sun. Like I want, I want to touch where, where the sources are is like, I'm ever reaching to try to grab that. Like I want to feel God, the sun, you know, of God's presence. I want to feel the water. And so it's like, I'm ever reaching for him to, for that sustenance, for that life. And because I, I tend to like, okay, I, I feel dry and I'm reaching, you know, or I feel, um, it, it feels dark. And so I'm reaching, I'm reaching for the light. And so that's just kind of what I imagined my tree to be doing and to be needing. Mm -hmm. That's good. I like the, uh, the ant uh, metaphor as well. Um, but for a different, for a different reason, I, I remember tree beards, uh, comment to the hobbits, you know, you're so hasty. You're such hasty folk. And, um, I think that is something that a lesson of the tree that I need to grasp a little bit more. Um, and it is okay um, to not be all everything all at once immediately, uh, but to take one's time and to not be so hasty, but allow the roots to run deep, allow the branches to stretch uh, around the obstacles uh, wherever possible. Um, so I, I do appreciate that. And that, that resonated with me. I greatly enjoyed your message about a tree. Uh, uh, this last week, I've been thinking a whole lot about trees. Uh, I'm, I'm in the process of preparing for a large, complicated website to help recovering workaholics. And I use tree and fruits and seeds as the, uh, the metaphor to explain Many, many different things and, uh, and a lot, a lot of uh, imagery that I've been used for that. And I, I like that a lot. And I say, how is she ever going to bring that home? This is lovely, but what's this guy do with church? Forgot, boom, she brings it home. Wow. That was amazing. And, um, and, and for me, uh, I've had very, as y'all know, long, complicated Christian pilgrimage and start off, uh, Episcopalian, very liturgical and then very charismatic. And then very evangelical Southern Baptist first Dallas and Lutheran and Presbyterian and independent and, uh, for different reasons at different times. And, 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 and it's amazing. There's one Bible and all these groups see the same Bible and the same Jesus stories so differently. And it was wonderful to learn it. But now in each of them, 
ignores or doesn't appreciate the other sides at all. They're, they're blind to the other, other elements. And so I love this book except for, you know, <clears throat> because it goes into the different streams and I went, wow, God, you're so amazing. And so because of that, <clears throat> the very complicated understanding of the Bible and Christ and Christianity and, and faith and doubt and the devil, some, some groups, you say the devil, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> every paragraph, some groups say devil once and they get all freaky. So, uh, it's a weird world out there. Likewise, in the recovery uh, community, people that have a lot, a lot of trouble in the particular thing, it might be food, it might be, uh, it, it, it might be internet, they have a weak, weak written system, so they get way blown off. Particularly work all the time working with. When their job is all wobbly, they'll go to food, they'll go to porn, they'll go to feeling horrible about themselves, because they have no roots. But when they're around for a bunch of years, and they've worked it, then the same bumps don't throw them off. So it, it, it takes time, it takes patience, it takes perseverance, it takes humility, it takes, and again, 12 step is very spiritual and not religious. You've got to turn your will off of the care of God this step three. And a lot of the men that I work with, that's where they struggle. Uh, some have no, no, uh, uh, religious background, some have a little bit, so, uh, and, but, but if you don't do that, then your roots ain't going deep, Bubba, that's all about it. And so I talk for hours and hours and hours with men about those issues. So then I pass. Yeah. I imagine that that's what a lot of Ryan's conversations with me are like. He's like, how does this relate to anything? And then he's like, oh, she brought it home. (laughs) We were talking about that this morning. Um, Yeah, I, when I was, Carrie, you're like moving around your kitchen a bunch and I keep thinking you're like gonna unmute. (laughs) You don't have to unmute. I'm just like, wait, is she? I'm so sorry. I'm just. No, it's okay. Little baby trying to get stuff ready for her. I'm sorry. I'll turn my camera off so it's not distracting. No, no, no. You're okay. I just, I've. Yeah. We love seeing the the baby, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get her in her chair and I'll un, or turn my camera back on. There you go. Um, yeah, when I was on my retreat, uh, in October, I watched like the, where I was in Colorado was up on this like high kind of plateau and there were all these really beautiful trees and some of them were native, but a lot of them, I mean, they had to be native in order to survive kind of like the weather there and the snows. Um, but they were all, they'd been planted together on top of the plateau around uh, the monastery and they were watered every day and all of that's very important. And then outside of the plateau, like you could walk around the rest of the property and it was just really tiny scrubby trees because it actually was like really dry. Um, and so it was weird how the trees were just part of this tended living oasis around the monastery. But there was one that I kept watching. And every day I was like, all right, little tree, I'm going to see you lose your leaves because it looked like the leaves were about to fall off. And every day I would watch it. Never, no leaves fell off while I was there. And I was like, dang it. If you were a human, you would have dropped those leaves. You would be on to the next phase. 
but um, that little tree was not in a hurry. And so I thought, I've thought a lot about how long I would have to wait to see a change in that tree, like, and how long I wait to see changes in myself or changes in my circumstance. I'm like always in a hurry. Um, and the tree is not. So John O'Donohue is this Celtic um, uh, author. Uh, he wrote a book on Celtic spirituality that I've been reading, and he says this about trees. Letting go of old forms of life, a tree practices hospitality towards new forms of life. It balances the perennial energies of winter and spring within its own living bark. The tree is wise in the art of belonging, and the tree teaches us how to journey. Too frequently, our inner journeys have no depth and we move forward feverishly into new situations and experiences which neither nourish nor challenge us because we have left our deeper selves behind. Much of our experience is literally superficial and it slips deftly from surface to surface and lacks rootage. The tree can reach towards the light and endure wind, rain, and storm precisely because it is rooted each of its branches is ultimately anchored in a reliable depth of clay. The wisdom of the tree balances the path inwards with the path outwards. Um, I have some pictures to show y'all. Ryan and I, Sarah can put them on. Ryan and I lived for a short time on the Isle of Lewis, which is a remote Scottish island in the Outer Hebrides. And it is treeless almost completely. Um, there's very few native trees left after kind of like a natural process of deforestation, but also like an accelerated <laughs> deforestation due to humans. And, um, they would cut down trees, uh, Vikings cut down trees to use for boats. They cut down trees to use for fuel. Um, then they brought grazing animals over which the island did not have until humans brought them over. And then because of all the extremely harsh conditions, like regular gale force winds, um, <laughs> we would have regular storms where the winds were in the 80s, 80 miles an hour. And we'd just like sit in our, in our little concrete house and listen to like the shingles on the roof, like rattle. Um, there's also salt spray. I mean, it's, it's kind of a thin island, so the salt spray like goes right across it and rainfall and then all the grazing animals as the trees were cut down instead of new trees ever being allowed to grow, peat moss, which is like nature's compost, started taking over the island um, and just feet upon feet of it have grown. And now what they do is they cut down into the peat moss and dry it out and burn it and use it for fuel. So, you know, if you don't have trees, you just cut up the dirt and use that for fuel. Um, so there have been a few reforestation projects over the years, and none of them have succeeded. Because usually what they would do is they would bring out a bunch of uh, spruce and pine, and they would bring, like, mainland species of spruce and pine, and then they just plant them in these huge groves. And spruce and pine grow up really, really quickly. So within about 40 years, you'd have these nice, really tall trees. Um, but they were not suited to island life. And so moths ate them, uh, and they just kind of like, they got eaten, they got toppled over, uh, and they're not there anymore. 
But a couple of years ago, this project started called the Hebridean Ark. And what was different about it is that they're using um, they're using genetic material from the existing trees on the island in the small places where you can find them. They're taking genetic material from those trees and then planting it different places on the island. Um, and there's nothing magical about the trees on the island. Um, but what is magical is that they're stronger than the mainland trees. They've actually survived like the harsh island conditions over hundreds of years. And they've held on and they've learned to balance, right? They've learned to balance the path inwards into more rocky and more acidic soil um, with their path outwards. Um, and they've be helped, they've become resistant to the wind and the sea. Um, they've learned to do what John Donahue was talking about uh, in his paragraph on trees, balancing the path inwards and outwards. Um, this is, okay, oh, here. So here's like, a, this is like a picture of kind of the area where we lived. No trees, then the houses are made of concrete because of the wind. Where's the next one, Sarah? Oh, this is this is where the sheep graze. These are the green meadows for the sheep and the giant rocks. And this is like this is like a little river. This is where you might expect to see trees on like the mainland, um, but you would not see them here. And there's a couple of little sheep down there in the valley eating up all the stuff. And this this is a playground. So if you had any doubt about how harsh the conditions are there, this is a children's playground. It looks like fun, doesn't it? I mean, it's a really cool place, but it's very treeless. Um, what does it mean to you personally? Um, to balance the path inward with the path outward. It reminds me of the, we talk about up in and out of the triangle um, of figuring out the balance of, of those things. Um, and that to uh, focus on, um, that they each have their time, but they each have their, their benefit and they, uh, to the overall life of, of each of us and to our, us as a community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought about that too. And I tend to think of really big things. Like we've got to do something really big to be out and we've got to do something really big to be in and that somehow that's balanced. And I thought about the tree and how it's just always constantly doing these tiny things in both directions. I'm like, I wonder what that would be like with up in and out. Yeah, I've thought a lot about that over the years. Uh, Again, First Baptist, Dallas, Southern Baptist. I love them. I appreciate them. I respect them. I see what they see in the Bible. But they're all about go out and save the world tomorrow or else. And they're out, 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 give, give, give. And and, uh, which appeals to workaholic. Um, but, uh, they don't have much roots. They don't, they talk about the Bible, but they don't really pray, meditate, ponder. They're not very, they're not terribly deep. Presbyterians, uh, they love that they have some deep, deep theology and some great, great thinking and their outreach is negligible. 
<clears throat> in the groups that I was in, at least. Um, I, I think where I saw a good balance was with the Lutherans because uh, th- they were very, very communal, very, very loving, very caring of each other. And uh, and people were drawn to that love and that care. And they're very, they're very devout. And very, and, and they did, and they're all about uh, Holy Communion, which was, which was like an up thing with them. And so it's well, well, well balanced. Uh, the thing I like again about 12 step work is that in the, it, 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 is that you gotta do your own work. You, 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 no, I can't, although I want to, I can't change other people, make them get with it. They come, they go, they do, they don't, but I can offer, I can encourage, I can guide, I can suggest. You know, but I can't, I can't heal them and I really want to. Uh, but when they do, and, and after I have, that people say, I want to be like you. And I went, well, looky there. Nobody's ever done that in my world. You know, but seven people that went, want me to sponsor them. I don't have the energy for all of that. It says in 12 step, having had a spiritual awakening through all these steps, we practice principles in all our affairs. We're doing, we're doing what we know to do. And keyword, we carry the message of other people. So be, it's not about, but this one thing that I dislike about the, the Maslow hierarchy of needs, it's all about self-actualization. So therefore you get to be, you know, the, 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 the trophy winner and that's it. No bueno, you know, mm-hmm. but it, once you get there, then how can you carry that to other people? I, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the American dreamers of all be, becoming super rich and or famous or whatever. But I've arrived. Well, Fine. What about the ghetto? What about the what the neighborhood you came from? What about other people that aren't eating today, and you're and, and you're and you're you, you're leaving a half a steak on your plate? What's going on here, Bubba? Julie's julieing up. Julie's right julieing up. That That's right. I'm thinking about the peat moss situation, and I'm thinking it just keeps sitting with me. Like I find myself stuck in those places of all these other trees have, you know, figured out how to grow and and root down at the same time, and and maybe I'm just working with different terrain. And it's going to look more like peat moss for me. (laughs) Like I'm going to, I'm, you know, someone's going to figure out how to use me for fuel and it's just not going to be like anybody else. You know, it's not going to look like the traditional tree system, but um, maybe I have just something totally different to offer. And it seems like this was the barren wasteland that just cropped up instead of, you know, in, um, in place of, in place of the trees, but it's still sustaining and still um, functional. And mm-hmm. it takes a lot of stress off me to think maybe it's not just that I haven't figured out like the right balance of growing. Maybe it's just, it's just going to look different and be a different fruit than what felt like was originally supposed to grow in the tree. Mm-hmm. I like that, Julie. I can't help but think about, um, 
an image that I, that was attributed to C.S. Lewis. I don't really know uh, for sure because I haven't actually read it uh, from C.S. Lewis. Um, but uh, someone had suggested about this woman in uh, that that they knew that was just obnoxious and had all these problems. And they're using it as an example. It says, you know, look, Christianity has done nothing for this woman. Look, look at her. She's just obnoxious. And, and Lewis's retort was, wait a minute. You don't know that. What would she be like if it weren't for her relationship to Christ? It could be much, much worse. You don't know where she is. You don't know how she's grown. Uh, she may be miles away from where she once was. And again, I, I, again, the patience of the tree just keeps coming back to me is that, and what Julie was just saying, you know, uh, environment, uh, terrain, so much affects where we are and how we grow. Uh, we may look stunted, but it's because, you know, it's not just all an inward thing. It's not all just happening because I've chosen it to happen. Some of it does relate to what's surrounding me and the opportunities that surround me as well. Um, that doesn't answer your question, though. Uh, the question of uh, what's that look like? Are you, are you more inward, more outward? How does that, how does that work? Um, and I guess that, that can be seasons of life as well. Um, you know, do, is this a time where I need to be digging down deep? Is this a time where I need to be you know, sticking with a metaphor that always breaks down, right? I mean, no metaphor is perfect. Uh, but uh, I guess I have always struggled with the outreach, the, the you know, reaching out part. Um, but And what does that look like? And I, I don't want that to be a rationalization either. Um, but sometimes the outreach, I think, is just being the love of Christ to someone who needs the love of Christ right here, right now, not necessarily a proclamation in and of itself. I don't think it, I don't think you should, you know, again, rationalize that and avoid proclamation. Um, but at what point is everything we do part of that reaching out, you know, whenever we're interacting with other human beings and trying to love on them the way Christ would love uh, on us, the way Christ has loved on us. Um, and I, I will say, John, uh, uh, Maslow, uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that self-actualization later in life, he did open that up to transformation. Uh, so it is, it is something that goes beyond to transcend into the lives of others. So I, I, I thought you'd be glad to know that. <laughs> so. Y'all, y'all have kind of been heading this direction anyway, but what would it look like for our community to balance the path inward and outward? What I miss is our, um, our, our book studies, a chapter a week. Um, I, before the internet, I read a lot of books. And since the internet, I read hardly any books. And I always kept up with those Bible studies because each week I had to be ready to talk about it. When I don't have those Bible studies, I don't read books. 
of that part of the de- deepening of my faith is absent without a, without without that structure. I don't know what it totally looks like, um, but for me personally, uh, because of my weird schedules and things like that, um, I need communal encouragement to be that person that reaches out, to be that person that somehow finds a way to not be tied up within themselves. Uh, you know, by nature of what I do, I'm out there all the time. I'm you know, this outgoing guy that's uh, speaking all the time and, and having interactions with people. But that's that's not quite the same thing either uh, because I'm interacting with people that tend to be on the same page or at least not in the same boat but on the same ocean, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at least we're kind of facing in a certain direction. And yeah, there's that encouragement that you do, and there's that uh, constant, you know, as I work with donors, I get calls all the time from donors who have nothing to do with with EEM or what we're doing. It has more to do as, man, I'm struggling with this. You know, talk to me about it, or, or what do you think, you know? And so I do get that quite a lot, uh, and that is outreach to an extent, but the person that has no connection with Christ or, or seems to have no connection with Christ at all, um, the person that needs the good news. That's again where my struggle is, is, uh, how do I, how do I make those interactions, those connections, uh, that don't seem very natural, uh, to be quite honest. And, and yet how do I avoid the, and please understand what I'm saying. How do I avoid the evangelical salesman for Jesus, uh, image that somehow ignores the need of a person right in front of you and ignores their desire for privacy and for, um, you know, please don't talk to me about that right now. And don't, how dare you, how dare you be so rude, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and make assumptions about me that you have no right to make. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's, yeah, yeah. yeah it does. Thank you. So what's helped me about not feeling guilty, that not doing a whole lot more outreach and leading people to Christ like my good Baptist people told me to do every day, you know, is that I found operations that are doing a really, really good job. Um, and I send them $7 a month. I mean, sweet Jesus, I'm sending, you know, Netflix money. I'm sending, you know, <clears throat> that's enough to keep Amazon Prime afloat. So I, there's a bunch of them that I send $7 a month to. and. Um, and I have, and I care about orality. There's a group that faith comes by hearing. So they're getting a little slice of my pie because there's people who never will read, but they're hearing the gospel through people who are out there doing the deal. I care about people that don't have drinking water. <clears throat> Breaks my heart wide open. That used to make me terribly depressed. And then I found a Christian group that's out there. They're digging wells. They're helping people and they're sharing the gospel. They're building community. And I went, here's $7. 
automatically. I, you know, boom, it, it's gone by the, you know, two days after I get my retirement money. So that's what I tell myself. I'm out there around the world doing good works while sitting here, you know, with, with all my sweet little ladies. Thank you, John. Well, if you do not get a chance to share or if you're still thinking, uh, especially if you're still thinking, have no fear. A tree would not expect to have an answer right away. So <laughs> I hope that the path inward and outward, that balancing um, can be something that's on your mind. Uh, it's definitely been on mine. Um yeah, it's been on mine for a while. So it's a, a deep and rich metaphor that I've continued to chew on. So thank you all for listening and sharing. Um, I think the next part is sending. Let me close us with a prayer and then I'll turn it over to Sarah. That sounds good. God, I just thank you for, um, for your whole creation, for the plants and trees and the animals and us and how we all seem so very different from one another and that your creativity um, is displayed in our differences, but that also there are so many things um, about us that are similar. There are so many uh, ways um, that we humans are like trees or are like peat moss or are like the sheep of the field. and um, God, we thank you for the wisdom contained in those simpler things. I pray that you would um, be with us, um, be the water that we root down into, be the sunshine that we reach for. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>